Hey, what's going on everybody? It's John, Bam Bam the dog. Uh, first, on behalf of both of us and everybody from the Real Ones team, I just wanna sincerely thank you guys for, for, for tuning in. The folks that I bring on the show, they're family to me, and uh, being able to tell their stories and bringing you into their world is something I'm, I'm just super proud of and uh, again, grateful that you guys tune in. We've decided we wanna take things just a step further. We're gonna introduce a Patreon community. And basically what that means is if you become part of this community, look, I already bored Bam Bam. If you wanna become a part of this community, you're gonna be able to hear episodes early and all that, ad-free and all that good stuff, but there's all this behind the scenes footage, all this stuff that we've shot um, that really brings you into the folks that we've had on the show, really brings you into their world. You're gonna be able to do live chats with me and the folks that I bring on the show to talk about their world, talk about the issues that they're dealing with, about their triumphs and their tragedies. Just go to Patreon slash Real Ones. This whole idea was um, something about building bridges and, 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 and bringing people together and um, bringing folks that often don't get the mic and, and giving the mic to them. So the fact that you guys tune in means the world. Anyways, again, thank you. Uh, be good to each other out there. Rock and roll. I'm gonna get a workout in a little bit with my man Eric Linden, you know, stunt coordinator from The Punisher. He's coming all the way up because we are about to get after it. And when that's done, he asked me in the car, are you gonna have my shake ready? And I know what that means. Am I gonna have my Sun Warrior shake? They've got the active protein, but they also have this collagen protein, which is amazing. They also have uh, the Warrior blend, which is a little bit lighter if you're trying to cut. And uh, I believe in it. I believe in that Sun Warrior stuff. Go to www.sunwarrior.com slash real ones for 15% off. I appreciate y'all. In case you missed that from John, it's www.sunwarrior.com slash real ones. Use the code real ones anywhere on the Sun Warrior site for 15% off the best plant proteins on the planet. Eric, man, it's a uh, th 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 former is, uh, teammate, man. I tell no, you what, man, awesome. this is this is this is a real, yeah. real joy and honor, man. Honestly, I remember like the first time that I even like heard about you as mm -hmm. a, as as a young man, and you coming to the to the school. You know, you came in and had this sort of like legendary status right from the jump. I, I had so much respect and admiration for you as as a youngster. And, um, you know, not just because you were this amazing athlete, but, you know, when I came to the school, you know, you were, you were uh, a couple years ahead of me. Mm -hmm. Not only were you this amazing athlete, but you held yourself, you carried yourself with such uh, grace and, 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 and dignity. You were nice to everybody. I remember you in the, in the, the, the Black History Month uh, productions, you know, like singing, you know, and like you, you know, and, and, uh, and one time you were like scatting out there for everybody. I was like, damn, this dude can do everything, you know, so, and, and you just had this amazing uh, light about you. And, you know, when I got to play on your team in baseball, I mean, you were also, you were just like really so good to me. You were so, you're so kind to me and, and, and nice to me. And, um, you know, I think that there's something about being a, a, a high school student, a high school athlete. Mm -hmm. There's so much, um, you know, it's such an insecure time, I think, for, 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 for young folks. And, and, and I think so many young folks are, are, are plagued by that insecurity. And, you know, we know, you know, all over this country, there, there's, there's people, um, you know, who don't, don't have the best circumstances. And I think so many sort of, um, I think so many 
people make horrible decisions in their high school years because of these insecurities. Because you right, physiologically we're like not in a place. You you know we're we're sort of kids, but we're sort of grown ups. And and I know a lot of people. I mean, I just we just got out of Calipatria State Prison where we interviewed a lot of people who made mistakes, right. uh, huge mistakes that have caused in their life. And a lot of it is because they never were able to really deal with those kind of insecurities. They never. And, and you see people every day in in, in work and business and life whose development is arrested in these years because they never really dealt with it. And I think, you know, my first, you know, experience with you was you were the guy that everybody kind of looked to, but you were also so nice and magnanimous. You were just, you, you, you had time for everyone. And I'm just wondering, like, what was your experience going here and, and, and how, did, how did coming to this school make you feel? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I mean, what a honor to be on the show with you, man. Come my on, man. Former teammate, and I'm so proud of you, man, Thank everything you, you've done, and I'm more proud to call you a friend. Um, but yeah, I just think when I got here, you know, credit to my grandmother, she just kind of always raised me to be that way, to be really nice to people, to, you know, give what you expect. And um, I always had a sense about myself that if you're the best player, um, there's a lot of responsibility with that and treating people and getting people to play hard for you and making them like you and mm-hmm. maybe making them understand you. That was important to me, like especially coming in, you know, quote unquote, an outsider, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. coming in to sit well. But by the time I was a senior, uh, when you were on my team, I mm-hmm. felt really comfortable about my status at the school, mm-hmm. you know, just as a student, more mm-hmm. so than an athlete. Like you said, the athlete part kind of took hold, you know, kind of right away. That was my comfort. My sanctuary was to find myself on the court, mm-hmm. on the baseball field, you know, when I was struggling in class. Uh, but once I finally got to the point, you know, when I was a senior and I had such a bigger presence in the school and was a part of so many other activities outside of just sports, it was easy to take on people. Um, but I think that's the beauty of the high school and the middle school. Kind of knew you guys before you got here as that's well. Right. Um, and so I kind of always was, you know, anticipating like being a leader on those teams. And uh, it was just easy to do, you know. And when you say when you say you are an outsider, can you explain that? Um, I never heard of Sidwell, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. So uh, I knew of it only through uh, the Sidwell Summer League back in the day mm-hmm. through sports. And so, mm-hmm. you know, by the time I got here, I kind of had my life already mapped out. You know, I grew up in Southeast Washington, Langston Lane projects, um, but I went to Kelly Miller Junior High School, which was in Northeast. And so I was already going to go to H.D. Woodson, and I, you know, had guys that I wanted to follow. Um, and so when I got this opportunity to come to Sidwell, I'll tell these three funny stories to everybody I talked to about okay. my first experiences. I first come here, you know, and credit to my grandmother again, I had affability to people. So I met all these white people. It was cool. And so I finally ran into this black guy. I was like, what's up, man? And I tried to give him a five. Uh-huh. And he looked at me and goes, hey, how's it going? And I was like, man, <laughs> what kind of school am I about to go to <laughs> yeah, right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. So, and then the second <clears> story <throat> is you introduce yourself to the new class. Uh-huh. Uh, and I told this guy all this stuff about me. And uh, Aaron Kramer, never yeah. forget. Yeah, I remember And uh, he goes, everybody, this is Eric Singletary. He grew up in Southeast and he plays basketball. And I remember the people, some kids came up to me afterwards and said, hey, we live in Southeast too. I said, I think I live on the other side of the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last story, John, is when I took my first test, straight A student, uh, K through eight in public schools. And I took my first test here and bombed it big time, mm. got killed. Mm. And I remember one of the kids said, hey, what'd you get? And I was like, damn, you nosy. <laughs> and the kid goes, I'm just curious. I was yeah. like, shit, I got to do better. Yeah. They're going to ask. Huh. So I think those experiences I tell all the time, like really prompted me to get comfortable right away, even in my discomfort and being an outsider. Like yeah. I knew that I wanted to prove everybody that um, I could do it. Can you just talk a little bit about kind of how you grew up, where you grew up and what, what DC was like back then? Oh, yeah, man. Um, you know, like I said, grew up in one of the tougher, you know, neighborhoods in DC. Uh, it was weird. Like. I knew it was bad, but 
when you're a kid, you're just having so much fun, you know, playing sports and you're being, you know, when you're in the different activities. I grew up in the recreation center, so um, you knew what was around you, but like I said, I had a pretty good family. Um, but, but hell, John, I, to be completely honest with you, I grew up typical kind of urban story. You know, my dad, loved him to death, but I didn't grow up with him uh, when I was a kid. You know, he probably did all in all, maybe 20 years in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, had my mom even, you know, was on drugs at one point. Um, and credit to her, and she's amazing and uh, overcame that struggle. But so I had that story, and mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people would anticipate that story being mine, but it was definitely a typical urban story. But a kid who had so many dreams, um, and sports was in such a way out. Uh, but also, like I said, was a really good student in school and kind of don't want to say I was above the neighborhood because I embraced it. You know, I took what was good from it, uh, but I certainly like paid attention to what I shouldn't be doing as well. Um, and so it was just a part of life. I mean, it's just like it's amazing how you can become numb to uh, what's around you, Straight up. Uh, but also being aware. So I was definitely aware of the opportunity that I had when I came to Sidwell. Um, very difficult, you know, dealing with the transition and yeah. What was that like? Change man? of like, cultures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know you, you you told those stories, but emotionally, like, what was? I mean, were you nervous? Your foot, like, what? what and, yeah, and absolutely. What was, was first, going through your mind? It was the mind? first time that I experienced that type of nervousness. Experienced that type of. Uh, I think most of us probably wouldn't admit it, uh-huh. um, but a little bit of inferiority uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. complex. You know, coming in here. How just, did you deal with that inferior? How did you deal with that? I mean, honestly, the, the court. Yeah. You know, I mean, the court. Uh, I think my personality allowed me to be getting a space where I made friends uh, pretty quickly and people kind of wanted to rally around me. So that gave me some comfort, but dealt with it for a while. You know what I mean? Like imposter syndrome, uh, you're dealing with two different worlds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, once you really start getting indoctrinated into Sidwell, but then you go home on the weekends or different things that I did. And then you start talking a little bit different. You know what I mean? People start challenging you on that, you know, yeah. back in the neighborhood. So yeah. you're kind of trying to exist in these two worlds where you know, early on you get here, you kind of want to prove that, you know, you're black yep. and you, you don't want to be too, you don't want to be too affable, you know, to the community and you want to kind of like keep your identity. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're going through this identity metamorphosis, like, mm. you know, through the whole time that you're here. And, uh, I, you know, one of the things that I, I, I really take away from like growing up in D.C. is that that there's this kind of like omnipresent kind of hypocrisy. You know, you mm-hmm. got this like spot downtown you know in the center of it all that sort of federal land and it's it's kind of protects where all the tourists come and then there's this part of the city that sort of seems kind of a little bit forgotten and then you have this other part of the city that you know all the and i guess that city's everywhere but you know this city not being part of a state being the capital right. of the country and and uh, you have sort of some of the most powerful people on the planet are here and some of the people who are uh you know, you know, really forgotten in the same right. in the same place in the same. And and how did how did that sort of hypocrisy? How, how did that play out with you? And I mean, how much did you know about this world over here when you were growing up? Where you grew up? Not much. Uh-huh. You know, not much. Obviously, you know, I mean, you 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 look around and uh, I tell people all the time, like you, I didn't know I was poor until I came to Sidwell. Right. <laughs> so, right. Like right. you knew you lived in the ghetto and stuff like that, but like you said, we had cable. You yeah. know, what I mean? we yeah. had. You know, I never went for, you know, lacked anything, right, uh, lacked right. food. You know, I didn't have that, that story. Right. Um, and so a lot of times you don't really know the other side until you see the other side. And when you start spending more time, not just coming to school, but like kind of hanging out at different people's houses. And yeah. I ended up moving in with another family, yeah. uh, which definitely did wonders for me to yeah. not have to make the commute. But you lose, you lose something doing that, but you gain a lot as well. So I kind of experienced that. Uh, you see the hypocrisy, but at the end of the day, I thought it was my duty and my responsibility to try to be uh, 
cognizant of it, but also try to be above it to the point where I can be an agent of change. This idea of being an agent of change, mm -hmm. did you was that something that you carried then? I mean, it's an enormous responsibility for a young man. Like how? Yeah, I mean, I think you ended up, um, obviously there's more good to it than bad, but I'll, I'll give you the bad part is that, you know, when you come from a neighborhood <clears throat> like that and you have a certain talent, uh, and back then everybody thinks they're going to the league, yeah. um, and you realize that going to the league wasn't just only for you, you were trying to carry the whole neighborhood. Yep. Uh, as opposed to, you know, your accomplishments as a student, or just how you carry yourself as a citizen, that isn't always celebrated. And so a lot of that pressure that I felt was definitely through, you know, trying to carry a neighborhood through sports and like, you know, kind of like, if you make it, don't forget about us. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. So um, you definitely feel that burden uh, of trying to be the agent of change, but you also knew I wanted that agent of change to also be an example uh, that I was setting uh, for younger people that it just didn't, you know, I played sports, but I was bigger than that. And yep. I was more than that. You know what I mean? I was a, a humanitarian. Uh, you didn't see me throwing trash down, you know, just like I was always kind of a little bit different. And I and, think people and, recognize that. And when you say you're always a little bit different, like when when did you know, when did you know just sort of as an athlete uh, that you were special? Like when, when, when did you know, like when, when did that really take place? Probably not until, I always tell like, until the older guys in my neighborhood let me play. Uh -huh. <laughs> like I think how, was, how did that go down? Um, I mean, you had to watch for years. And yeah. I think now I, I laugh because I'm in this world and you yep. see all these rankings of like fourth graders and fifth graders. And I'm like, you know, I won the elementary school championship when I was at Stanton. I won the junior high school championship when I was at Kelly Miller uh -huh. and still couldn't get on the court with those guys, you know, in the neighborhood. And, and the first time they let me play with them, that was the first time that I thought I could really play. How old were you? Uh, about 14, 15. Okay, yeah. okay. Playing with grown men. Yeah. Th this is arguably the best basketball city in America, one of them at least. Right. And, um, you, you know, you, you've built uh, one of the best high school basketball programs in the country without a doubt. And um, it was definitely not that when you came in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, not that at all. Right, right. Um, <laughs> I, I really want to talk about youth sports and just, you know, what you're looking yeah. for. But when you say they're, they're, they're ranking, you know, fourth graders, you know, when you're out there, look, what, does that mean anything to you? What does that mean to Absolutely you? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. I think it's like, um, I don't even have the adjective to describe, you know, how I feel about that. Obviously, somebody's getting compensated for doing that. And I think what happens is it ruins our game because, like you talked about, the insecurity of high school students. Yeah. Imagine like that being younger. And, and, and then you end up feeding into the insecurity of families. Um, so it's not just the kids. Can you explain that? How does that, how does that play into the insecurity of families? And how, how does, are, are ranking people, what, are, you, are you talking about the pressure that's put on? Are you talking about the yeah, business-like just, like just aspect Yeah, just the unnecessary pressure. Nothing good comes early, right? Everything that you may want from basketball or anything in life usually comes a little bit later. Like mm -hmm. you're talking about the scholarship, that's late. If you're talking about playing for money, uh, that's late. So why do we care who's the best fifth grader in the country? Right. So all that does is somebody's benefiting from a platform, social media, something, um, and they're making you feel, and they're kind of, you're almost getting hooked on this drug of like attention. And so therefore, like I always make this phrase that uh, if you're chasing your ego, you'll never catch it. Can you explain what you built here? And then potentially what you're most proud of? Yeah, John, I think uh, what we've built here um, is predicated on a lot of hard work, a lot of dedicated kids and families who bought into um, the vision that I set for the program. My only goal when I came here was to be relevant. 
Um, it shows you that when you do things organically in the right way, actually what can blossom out of that core values that I just gave you guys. You know, when attitude. you say organically, does that mean your intention? Like your, yeah. your like your intention. What was your intention? The intention oh, was you, just to be to relevant. Be relevant. Can yeah, you explain to be relevant, that? To be better than we were okay. when we were here. Like okay. I always say, I was the beneficiary of like some good coaches, but I also say I coach how I wish I was coached. And so I think that's what I've given to the kids more than anything. How do you wish you were coached? Um, I just think from a standpoint of like dealing with that insecurity you're talking about, giving a kid the confidence to be the, you know, to find the fullness of themselves, uh, to challenge them in a, in a way that goes beyond the, you know, scope of what they think they can do, especially at a place like this. Um, I think we used to lose to a lot of people's jerseys, you know, before the uh -huh. game even started. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was just a sense of like, you know, do we really have to do this? And so I've kind of given the kids no excuses. We're going to be the toughest team when we hit the floor, win or lose. You know, we're not going to lose to anybody's jersey. Um, so I think that's what we've built here. It's like just, a, uh, I tell people all the, all the time, when I knew we were going to be really good, uh, wasn't even a high school game. One of the benefits of my job is that I get to coach the middle school team as well uh -huh. to build that culture. And uh, I remember playing modern day and, you know, traditionally very good sports, you know, tough boys. And I remember playing them one year and their parents were like, uh, man, you, you know, you guys are being too rough. <laughs> and I think that was the day I knew. I was Man, like, we, have yeah, we've arrived. Yeah, we've yeah, arrived. They yeah. said we were being too rough. Where was the basketball program here when you when you came in? Oh, man, I think it was like a two-year gap where I think Dwayne Simpkins was here. Uh, he won the first MAC championship mm -hmm. in his final year here. Then I think mm -hmm. he left. Then I forgot who came in right after him, but that person only did a year. Mm -hmm. And then I came afterwards. So it was kind of in flux. Um, I think they had a bad year that year mm -hmm. uh, when I came in. A lot mm -hmm. of parents' situations, and, I, and that's something I knew I had to attack right away. And I mm -hmm. think that's the beauty of this job so far um, is that I've had the best parents in the area as well. What makes a good parent? What makes a good Man, parent of an athlete? They got to be coachable. Uh -huh. I think they got to be coachable. The parents themselves. Yeah. I'm, and I'm, starting at what? Starting when? Whenever a coach makes it relevant to them. I think that's one of the things that's missing. I think we end up taking parents on and I think most coaches have an attitude of like keeping parents at a distance. Got it. And I think that's, that's the complete opposite of what I do. I try to bring them in tight so they'll kind of disperse on their own. I think the more you give them the Heisman, that's when you have people sitting around the gym in different silos only looking at their kid whispering and doing stuff like and the, that. And that, that whispering, what's dangerous about that? Just because like it can't be about the team. It goes back to what you said originally, like the kids are already insecure. Like I'm already on them. Like they already have so much pressure. They got to deal with the car ride home. They got to deal with playing in front of their peers, right? All the pressure that just comes with trying to win a game. So one of the things that I've gotten uh, the parents to do over these years I've been here is to sit behind us. I was like, because if you sit behind us, it'll force you to cheer for us and you won't sit in these different places and only cheer for your kid. Got it, got it. And, 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 and what do you think, again, just in terms of what, what you built? I mean, can you just take us through a little bit, the city championships, players in the yeah. NBA, I mean, the, th the, the, the things that, um, maybe the things <clears throat> that, that, that you're most proud of. The journey, honestly. Uh -huh. I think when I first took the job, I remember we played in the Rock Summer League, so I, you know, right away we were gonna play the best competition. Yeah. And I think we went 0-12. Okay. And, uh, okay. It, it, you know, shocked the system to all the kids and the families, and, but yeah. I thought they, I think they saw right away, man, this is gonna be different. And uh, I think the biggest thing I'm proud of, man, is how it feels. I remember uh, my boss asked me, like, what do we need to do here? And I think when I got here, Sitwell, like I said, was winning in, like, uh, soccer and different sports. And I think that overall as a program, I was like, we don't have to win more. It just has to feel better. And I think one of the two things that Sitwell didn't do good was celebrate and um, give gear. <laughs> and huh. so the branding and, like, yeah. the gear and celebration, I think, 
uh, we've done a really good job of that. And uh, I'm just most proud of like how it feels that the kids are still working their asses off in the classroom. Yep. Um, I always say we're like a boutique hotel. You know what I mean? You got to make your own bet. Huh. And we just happen to be good at basketball, but nothing's changed. Huh. You know, just with, with, with you sports in general right now, what are your frustrations? How do you think potentially maybe it's better now than when you were coming up? I think the access is better. I think more kids are playing. So I'm, all, I'm always going to love when kids are playing and doing different stuff like that. I think that at the end of the day, though, my frustrations are the, uh, the vanities of the adults. You know, the vanities of Can the adults. Can you describe that or give me an example? I just think the adults are the ones who are basically trying to recreate their own lives yep. through their kids. Or lack thereof. Or lack thereof, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, therefore, like, if you give them a little bit of the drug and the attention, they end up kind of going overboard. You see some kids not putting as much effort into, like, the type of people they're going to become, mm. type of students. Mm. You know, I think we're starting to see a dip in, like, the value of education. Mm. Like, you hear a lot, you know, I hear kids today say, well, college is a waste of time. Mm. And I'll be like, I'll meet you halfway. You know, it certainly isn't an indicator of how much money you're going to make if that's important to you. Uh, but I can't think of a better place to waste four years, huh. you know what I mean? Because you end up collecting people. Of course. And that's what life's about. And I of think course. the more we get into individual training and all the stuff that we do in youth sports, which isn't bad, it's just that we're not tempered uh, and let, you know, let run amok. We see the results of that. We, you know, more fighting of referees and I mean, just crazy stuff that we didn't have to deal with. When and we and when up. you see that, when you see sort of toxic parenting in sports, how do you deal with that? Will that be a, a reason why you, you don't don't really want to work with a kid? Absolutely, or like, yeah, absolutely. You like, see that coming yeah, a mile me, away. I think I'm pretty good at my job as far as evaluating talent. Uh, and I, like I say, we recruit families. And so it may take me five to 10 minutes to see if John is good enough to play for me. And the rest of the time, I'm looking to see how your parents behave in the stands. Can you give me an example of a, 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 a warning sign that you saw that you're like, yeah, I can't have them in there or something that you said, this is some, this is a family I really want. Yeah, and it's, it's definitely like nuance, right? It doesn't mean, I'm, you know, if I think a family can be coached out of coaching their kid from how the How do you coach a family out of it? Just being very honest with them, very honest to say that that's kind of not something that we do. But I also try to tell them, like, kind of what it, I ask them questions, what are they getting out of it? You know what I mean? At the end of the day, because I think nobody really teaches parents how to be sports parents. Those yeah. are two different things. Yep. And so I think people think, and that's one of the things I love about coaching here, you know, just in general, but coaching here, I tell the families all the time, uh, is because with these type A personalities here, these bosses and CEOs, if they can manipulate the outcome, they would. But they can't. And so I love sports because it's in real time. It's real theater. We got to watch the kids win or lose. Even me, I just got the best seat in the house. Mm, mm. And, and, and I mean, it's such a complicated thing because, I mean, as you know, I mean, you know, there's nothing we care more about than our kids, you right. know, like, and, and, and you're right. It is this ultimately, I, I think some people cannot get out of the way of their own egos. And it's like this reflection on them. They yep. want their, and, and, uh, and people are blind, you know, love blinds people. Right. Can you give me an example of somebody with an enormously healthy attitude towards it? And do you feel like if you're raising a child athlete, in terms of attitude and being a healthy and, and positive you know, I, sports I think, parent? I think so in the long run. You're always going to have examples of people who may have done it the wrong way and still succeed who are uh -huh. going to do that anyway based on the lottery of genetics and, uh, and the hard work. You know what I mean? I'm not saying these kids don't work hard, but I think if you look at like guys like Grant Hill uh, comes to mind, you know, most guys do it the right way in their families. Doesn't mean they were sitting on their hands. I certainly don't want parents in the stands not cheering like crazy and right. being competitive. Right. Um, but I just think like the most important part is like cheering for the team and then the car ride home. Like sometimes it's just what, a, what's a successful car ride home? Like what, what, what's your philosophy? Telling there? your kid that you enjoyed watching them play. Uh huh. Letting uh -huh. building a relationship with them to make sure that they are the ones that's bringing their questions to you, as opposed to you always being the one rushing to critique 
rushing to even rushing to praise, right? But just like start saying like ask questions, like you know how do you think you played today? But just is it all in the tone, the manner of like how you care about your kid, especially if they didn't do well, right? Where do you think the pressure, you know, when we, we, you know, especially with 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 young kids, you know, you you mentioned you know fourth grade rankings and how how ridiculous that is. Right. You know, I, I have kids that age and they're they're, they're competitors and they, they they play sports and a lot of the sports that they play with, the parents of the kids that my kids play with, you know, they do they they I think they really think that you know one day their kid's gonna do X Y and right. Z and sometimes I'm like, <laughs> my man, like look at you, like like I don't know how that's gonna work out, but but you, you know. Uh, What's your example of a terrible car ride? A terrible car ride, obviously, is like, you know, just totally critiquing everything the kid did wrong, uh, berating them, um, yeah. you know, just anything that has that kind of toxic mentality after they've already, especially if it's a, after a loss or a win. Yeah. But just like kids just want to relax after yeah. the game. There was a lot of pressure, right? Yeah. Coaches, a lot of atmosphere, you know, especially if it's on the road and it's intense and it's crazy. And yeah. then, you know, here you come, yeah. you know, you know <laughs> trying to like, you know, be the coach, yeah. you know, and maybe you've never played. And that's one thing I tell parents sometimes, especially when you've never been in the sphere that your kids have been in. Like, you know, when parents come meet, see me, I was like, when you come to my office, like it's always open, but as long as you come in here with the spirit of deference, right? If you don't come in here to learn, then we can't talk. Right. 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 If you're coming in here and if you tell me about your kid, I'm all ears. Right. Right. But don't talk about basketball with me. Like I'm an expert. I'm a pro. Right. Who would you say had had enormous effect on you and that maybe you either model from or, or, or that 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 um you know, you just you just walk walked away with, with, with a ton of reverence for it. Yeah, man, I just it's so many guys, John. I don't wanna leave anybody out, man. Like so I'm saying, I've been so blessed, so fortunate, man. Like it's starting with a guy like Calvin Woodland, who was a legendary figure in Washington DC who grew up in my neighborhood and took kids in the neighborhood and gave us opportunities through sports and you know, meeting philanthropist George Kettle, who ended up putting me in Sidwell, so I can't ever not, he's my first coach. Uh, but I played for a great coach, Hall of Fame Dickie Wells, who played at American University in junior high school. Uh, had the fortune to play for George Leftwich, another legend uh, here at Sidwell. Um, then played for an amazing college coach, Willis Wilson. Um, so I just think I had so many men teach me how to be a leader, mm -hmm. how to be a captain, what that looks like, um, how to be accountable. Um, you know, hugged me when I messed up and did it wrong and, you know, got in my ass when I needed it. You know what I mean? So I just had it from all angles. So I think that's what's made me the coach that I am today. I've had so many unbelievable examples of how to carry yourself uh, like a gentleman. You can be competitive. You can be a tough son of a bitch. But at the end of the day, like just how you leave the court, I, I can say one of the things I'm most proud of is how my peers uh, that I played against, but also my peers and coaching, the type of respect and reverence I feel like they have for me speaks volumes to like how I've always carried myself. And what, and what would you say, you know, you mentioned before that, that uh, you know, when the adults, when, when the big dudes kind of invited you on the court, that's how you knew, that's how you knew yeah, that there was yeah, something. Yeah, that's how I knew, I knew I did, had a chance. <clears throat> Does that still exist today? To like, no, like, because no. I feel like the playground doesn't really even exist anymore, no, right? It's it like does. it's all specialized. Can you just talk about that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I think that's, you know, <clears throat> go back to your question earlier about where we've hurt, you know, yeah. we're missing a little bit. Uh, one of the phrases I always use is that the kids can be coached because they've been coached since they were four. They just can't play. Wow. <laughs> wow. So if you tell them to free play and just figure it out, they struggle with that. Wow. You know what I mean? So we ended up creating a lot of robots because, like, they can be coached. But if it goes anything that deviates from that plan, isn't that like just kids in general? You know, I, I, I was, you know, look, I live out in the country, but I know my kid, there's nothing he wants to do more than play basketball. Right. There literally is no park. I mean, there's no, right. there's no place where people are doing that. You have to go to organized practice. 
Can you talk about other ways you see that sort of affecting young men uh, 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 today because cause you're around so many of them? Absolutely, I think it, it, it dives into like their lack of creativity, uh, not only just on the court, but just in general, that yeah. sense of freedom that you feel that when you play the game early and learn it from like an inconsequential standpoint, by the time you get in front of coaches and play under the whistle, all the coach doing is really refining some of the creativity and skills that you may already have. Now and I feel like I'm actually trying to build that creativity. How do you build that? I mean, just do a lot of, actually we play a lot. Yeah. Play a lot of pickup. Yep. You know, I try to introduce that back to the game. In practice, out of practice? Yeah, but... both. Yeah, preseason, <laughs> we'll okay. be doing a lot of preseason uh, open gym now, just getting them in yeah. the you know, sense of playing and you know, learning how to compete without it being a coach, you know, telling you what to do. Yep. Uh, so we do a lot of that. Uh, we do a lot of in-season scrimmaging. We do yep. a lot of one-on-one. -on -one. So okay. I think, it, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of stuff that's gone away from the game because I think we've manufactured the game and we and we think it can be done that way. And right. it has been done that way. But I ultimately, I think that the guys that can really play are always going to be the guys that end up rising to the top. I think, want to play. Yeah, back to your <laughs> question, though, about, you know, what's happened. John, I think yeah. honestly, like what's happened is, is a level of um, knowledge, right? It's almost it's weird, right? Because you, we think transparency is a good thing, right? Yeah. But I think the knowledge of what the NBA is, the salaries and all that stuff that we didn't know, so it was a dream. And so there was a real sense of the chase of the dream for us. And the dream was maybe only to get to college first, right? It was taking steps. Now you got six, sixth graders who are actually skipping steps emotionally. Right, right. Mentally, they're already skipping steps because that, that dangling carrot of the NBA is something that they actually think they can have. Like, I never thought I could, I wanted it, but I didn't think I could have it the way that I think. So, so for you, it wasn't, you know, I don't need to pay attention to this, this, and this, because eventually I want this. You were like, yo, I just want to get on that court with the adults. Yeah. I, I, I want to get this next step that's right in front of me. Right I want to get that. Yeah, right. I want to get this game next week. I want to focus on that. Absolutely. I want to be better than this dude. I want this two-and-two two game matters to me. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That sense of competition, <clears throat> that sense of belonging, them accepting me, me watching them through the gate yep. all those years. And then when I finally got my chance, that was a huge accomplishment for me. That did, that did wonders for my confidence. Well, how do you how do you recognize that in youngsters? That that want that? Yeah. It's rare. What are you looking for? I'm looking for a kid that's like really tough, um, has a sense of uh, vulnerability, uh, has a sense of curiosity, uh, of asking questions, uh, obviously work ethic. Can you can you explain that that really hit me what you just said the the connection between toughness and vulnerability in a, in a, in a yeah. young man can can you can you kind of go into that or maybe give me an example Yeah I think the ultimate form of toughness is vulnerability right I think that's the ultimate form of toughness Straight is when up. you're vulnerable and cuz one of the things I ask is like what are you afraid of you know, I ask the kids that, what are you afraid of? Because if you don't tell me your fears, then I can't really help you. Wow. I can't really help you get to the next level if you won't even tell me, like, what you're afraid of. Like, what gives you the lack of confidence to make this move or to take this shot? You know, what's been your worst experience in basketball? Does any one player come to mind as, as the toughest player you ever coached? Oh, my goodness. I've had a few, man. Um, <clears throat> I, I think it's hard to say it wouldn't be Josh Hart. You know what I mean? Just what he had to go through. Uh, it's chronicled, you know, you know, we came here, really struggled as a student that first year and was asked to leave. Um, oh, I didn't I, know that. And I think um, the community rallied behind him. Obviously, I did and other people. And so to me, the toughest thing he did, not only was he a tough son of a gun on the court and played harder than anybody I've ever seen, to stay here after being asked to leave, after 10th grade and have to do two more years here and still, you know, sit well, it's not like, 
you get to come back and we're going to give you easier classes. That's right. They're not going to cut any corners right. academically at all. Right. So he showed real toughness uh, that I think plays into who he's become uh, as a young man, Villanova and beyond. Like, staying here was the toughest thing he could ever do. What, what's the biggest misconception, would you say, about uh, uh, an elite student athlete in, in that? Because I think there, there's this idea, and, and I even see it with, um, you know, so many of the parents, you know, my kids, my, my kids, just a few years of walking around with shit in his pants and a diaper. I mean, they're babies. But right. I see, you know, some of these parents are like, look, if you can do sports, you don't need to work. You know, they're missing school, you know, right. days of school to go on, you know, week-long baseball tournaments. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like that was a big thing. Look, if you can play sports, the academics don't really matter. But, right. but in what way do, does the rigorous toughness that comes out of being such a, uh, you know, such a rigorous academic institution, yeah. how does that serve your student-athletes? I, I think that's why we win. How so? I think that's why we win, because they have to do it. And, so, and I remind them <clears throat> that their toughness that they're exhibiting on a daily basis is more exhibited up there than it is on the court. Wow. So I think I incorporate that into what it takes to be a real student athlete here, yeah. because uh, then, like you said, not cutting corners. I'm not cutting any corners for them. I've spent a lot of time up there watching them and paying attention to what they're doing. And then also I have little empathy for them because when, been we, there. when we were here, it was yeah. a little more sink or, or swim. Yep. And they have much more support uh, than we had as students. And so therefore, there's no reason that they can't uh, push themselves and, and try to discover who they are as students as well. And I think that helps us win because I'm able to challenge them in a way when they get here because we're doing the comprehensive thing here. And, like, you know, and I tell them that that's what makes us feel good. Like we're a better feel-good story than anybody around in the country. So when we win, it's more special. Wow. Wow. And, and can you uh, talk a little bit about your, your process? You, you know, literally, like, what do you do to start looking for, for, for students to start trying to talk to them about coming in here, to come here? Yeah, one of the biggest things I do, John, <clears throat> man, like, I try to find, you know, doesn't have to be the best player, you know, just a kid that I think I can develop. You know, mm -hmm. I work really hard at developing students and uh, athletes to get better over time. Yep. Uh, it's just got to be a committed. I'm, I look for commitment. And so one of the things I do that kind of gives me a sense of that with the family <clears throat> is if um, after we make this kind of initial contact with one another. And, and what, what typically how old are they when, when, when like, what are you looking at? I used to only look at high school kids, like uh -huh. eighth graders going into ninth. But okay. I've started to dabble a little bit because uh, I've also learned that it may be better for student athletes to come here in the seventh grade in the middle school to get adapted to the school. Yep. You know, so the ninth grade transition doesn't have to be as tough as it was, was for me. For you, yeah. uh, so I'm starting to look at a few more middle school kids. But the biggest thing I am, I'm still looking at the families. And one of the things that I do is I try to see their level of curiosity, their level of commitment to recruiting us back. Right? Like, I'm not going to be the one kissing your ass and making you feel good about or overselling Sitwell. Because if I have to sell it, then you shouldn't be here. But it's going to be too but, tough. But now, I mean, you guys are like city champions over and over. I mean, now it's, 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 a, it's a much easier sell. Oh, absolutely. what did you do in the beginning? Um, <clears throat> what I just described. I mean, yeah. I think just, you know, if I got to oversell it, like, this is probably yeah. not the place for you. Because right. Because I know how hard it's going to be. I can't sit in the classroom for the kid. None of us can. And so at the end of the day, if you come here to play sports, I try to gauge that then you know, you're gonna fail, it's gonna be too hard, right? If you're not coming here to kind of change the trajectory of your thought pattern, your yep. life possibly, depending on where you come from, yep. then, you know, that's what we're talking about more. So the basketball is gonna take care of itself. I've always said this basketball is a contract between the kid and God anyway. You know what I mean? I'm just here to facilitate the dream, you know what I mean? But like, there's gonna be a lot of nights that you're gonna have to put, you know, and your work, not only his, but like, you know, meditation, prayer, whatever. Like, there's a lot of elements that come in this. So I don't have to over-focus 
on the basketball piece. Like if you're not coming here to be a big part of this community, if you're not coming here to really put your hands in the dirt and, and put your and build your own branch on that tree, right. that Josh Hart, Sadiq Bay, right. Jelani Williams, Jason Gibson, Jamal Lewis, all those great players we've had, Ryan Cornish, they just left the tree behind for you to see it. Right. But those right. aren't that's not your fruit on that tree. You gotta come here and put your hands in the dirt and like create your own branch. And are are, <clears throat> are any of these kids kids who were going here? I mean, w anyway. I mean, I, I, you know, is is there room for you know the Nick Burnthals? You oh, know, absolutely. Now, like the kids who just been at this school. Absolutely. I, I think John, <clears throat> that's the one of the misconceptions that you get when you start winning, uh, and the reason we started winning and the reason we'll continue to win goes back to what I said about coaching the middle school. Right. Uh, the homegrown kid. I put that in quotation because that's always a loaded phrase. I don't like that phrase. Uh, but Why just, don't you like that, that, that phrase? I just think it's a loaded phrase because none of us own Sidwell. Uh, so even the lifer, is only, uh, he's only afforded the rights of his ability to be admitted yeah. and uh, with his tuition can hold his seat. Uh, so if a kid comes here in the 11th grade and we accept him, like we have to embrace him as a big part of the community. He has all the rights and privileges to, uh, and the opportunities to try to be part of the debate club if he wants to be. Like So homegrown is a loaded word that people can use once you start getting good at something and you bring a kid in. Now all of a sudden, if you bring him in in seventh grade, is he not homegrown? Yeah. Right. Yeah, so what's yeah. homegrown? What, what age does that start? Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I struggle with that phrase. So that's why I put it in quotations. Yeah. But the reason we've gotten better is because the kid that's already gone to Sidwell has gotten tougher. Yeah. And put yeah. and put more work in. Yeah. So of course you're gonna have a couple of kids that come in, but our quote unquote once again regular student is who uh, who's made us get you know have this kind of success, as far as like in perpetuity in the way of like long standing and it makes it feel good. And what, what, what do you feel about playing different sports? Oh, I love it. You I love mean, it? Yeah, at the end of the day, like, you know, there's no research that shows single sport athletes uh, reach their dreams or their goals. I mean, contrary, like you hear all these professional athletes, most of them play multiple sports. Yep. Um, so I think if you're not playing an individual sport like tennis, golf or something like that, that requires you to kind of really be in that swimming. Uh, but if you're playing a team sport, I definitely recommend playing multiple sports. I think you discover uh, who you are as an athlete, uh, obviously, you develop different muscles, but I also think it's a chance to not be the best player on another team. Yeah, I think yeah, that's important yeah, as well. Yeah. What if football? What What did football and baseball uh, do for you? I mean, it just it continued the spectrum of like what I was already good at. Obviously, it allowed me to create incredible friendships with different kids that may have been on those teams that yeah. didn't play basketball. Yeah. Uh, it allowed me to try to be the best player I can be on those teams. Yeah. Uh, it allowed me options to be able to play beyond high school. It didn't have to just be basketball. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, it allowed me flexibility to continue. Because I always say, I don't think I could have been a, as good a student if I didn't have sports. Right. And so taking a season off wasn't, you know, eventually I stopped playing football. Right. Uh, the two sports that I loved the most were baseball and basketball. Uh, and that served me well to have enough time to continue to concentrate on my studies. But I love, I mean, I love playing sports. I mean, that just gave me such a place to like, I couldn't imagine, I always say I envy the kid that goes to Sidwell, comes here, does all this hard work, and then leaves. Yeah. Like I envy that kid. Like, I mean, I, when yeah. I say envy, I don't not really envy them, right, but right. I, don't, I don't understand it. Like yeah. I, I'm, I'm in awe of them who yeah. can just do that yeah. and really not be a part of something, you know, beyond just doing all this hard work. Yeah, if you were gonna give, give, give advice uh, to a young athlete, you know, uh, uh, or, or parents of a young athlete, would you, is that part of it? Would you say engage in other sports? Yeah, I ask that question all the time. Like I think, especially at a small school like Sidwell, I think it's important that, you know, 
myself and the other coaches collaborate to try to get athletes who play multiple sports. We just don't have enough space to get a ton of like single sport athletes. In. Right. And I think the beauty of our school is that 70 something percent of the kids actually play sports. Right. And, but that same kid is probably playing an instrument, you right. know, or he's right. in some type of different right. activity or club right. and, you know, he's on the robotics team. Right. Um, and so I love that about our school, man. But uh, no, I, I love, I pitch it all the time playing multiple sports. I mean, it's going to make you be a better athlete. I think a lot about my time here and uh, my relationship with Coach Gold. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the Godfather, uh, man, <laughs> and and, and um, you know, I don't know that there was. I mean, can you just kind of explain just for everybody? You know, you know who who, who was Coach Gold? What kind of guy was he? What what was his role in in, in your life? Man, as I described, you know, my relationship with my dad, um, good, right, but wasn't there. Um, and so Coach Gold was the closest thing I had, you know, to a father at, during that time, especially to, during that time of discovery. Like we talk, go back, talk about the inferiority. Um, a lot of people don't know. Uh, I did ninth grade twice mm -hmm. at Sidwell. Um, like I said, really struggled that first year. And I remember coming to Coach Gold's office, like, like it was yesterday, when I realized I wasn't moving on to the 10th grade. What they call reclassifying today, the they made it a good word. You know, back then it was staying back. Yeah, 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 stay back. Yeah, I <laughs> did so, that too. Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember crying like a baby, man. Mm -hmm. Like crying like a baby, and he didn't judge me for it. Um, you know, he just embraced me, and uh, showed me. I still have Thanksgiving dinner with Coach Gold yeah. often, and uh, I think the world of him. But like, yeah, he was just such a. Uh, not only was he a big time athlete, you know, what I mean, so therefore that was a one beacon for you to look up to what he accomplished in his life. Um, but he was just a great humanitarian yep. who had enough patience for you, uh, always had wisdom, yep. you know, didn't over, didn't oversell it, didn't over talk, but you always, the message was always clear, you know, when he was giving you like great advice. You but know? You, 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 could, you, you, you could talk to him about anything. Anything. You know, Co Coach Gold, he was, a, he was a coach, but he really, really was a friend too. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was that thing, like how, how, do, you, how do you build that? Because I, I feel like, you, you know, what a, what a, what a beautiful, beautiful thing to be able to achieve with, 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 uh, with, with a young person, you know, in that, that, that level of, of trust. Um, is that something that, 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 that you do, you aspire to? Is there, do you need to keep kids now yeah. at, at more of a day? Could, could that relationship exist today? I think it's aspirational. Uh, I think that's a good word. Um, so when you do accomplish it, it's a little more, um, not that it wasn't organic when we did it with Coach, um, but I just think you said it's a different time. I think I, I'm aware that the sanctity of the locker room doesn't exist like it used to. So I'm already thinking about whatever I say is going to make it home. Wow. Right? So I'm already thinking that way. It's not like I can be in the locker room, you know, saying one thing or even one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, I'm anticipating that making it home. So I have to be kind of measured and tempered about like kind of like how to establish that relationship with why trust. why is that i mean like why is that man like why why is that like that now and not I, like that i just think we're living in a world where like it doesn't mean everything we did in the past was right right or you know and right or wrong i struggle with those two words anyway right it, do, it just doesn't it's just mean different. yeah it just yeah. doesn't mean that it was um you know we'd have to continue it but i don't know i think we are living in a kind of a gotcha society yep. uh i think parents even though they're sending their kids to school and, and trusting us there's a sense of uh, if I can have something over you, then therefore I can manipulate something that I may want otherwise. Or there's a sense of mistrust that we have for one another as human beings. Yeah. And so therefore, like just the reverence of the word teacher or coach doesn't exist the way. And that's, I'm so lucky that it kind of exists here for me. Uh -huh. But I know that like teacher, coach used to mean the world to like people. And I think what we do in a society is like we, we usually struggle like when one person 
uh, let's say you have a thousand coaches and they've made an unbelievable impact on so many kids and you get the one coach uh, who does it wrong and, you know, does something to a kid, then we end up like kind of thinking that that's the model of course. more so than the positivity. Of course. So it's kind of one of those things I've always struggled with, like the sense that it's, it's even like winning and losing, John. Like I think most losing hurts more than winning feels good. And so one of the things that I've done here, honestly, is try to actually tell kids, let's practice joy. Like, cause I think happiness and joy are two different things. Yeah. And I think that like people don't know how to practice joy. How do you practice joy? By cele celebration. Yeah. Celebration. Yeah. Like when kids, it drives me crazy to see when the kids get in school here, when they, not just my athletes, but all the kids, you know how, you remember that time and how stressful it is and everybody's waiting on their decisions. But then as soon as they get it, they're more relieved. And I'm like, where's the birthday cake? You know what I mean? Like, where's the champagne? Right. You know what I mean? So I'm big on celebration, like, because I think joy has to be practiced. Like, we don't experience joy in, uh, innately. Right. What, what, do you, what do you love most just about the game of basketball? Oh, man. The, the journey. Like, just I think what it takes to become a good player. Um, I would say the basketball guy, you're always going to be tested. You're going to be tested. You're going to be humbled. Um, and it's one of these games that doesn't give it to you right away. Uh, and a matter of fact, it gives you less the better you get. How so? Like, because as soon as you get to a certain point where you're a really good player, you got to work that much harder just to find the little bit of edge that makes a difference. You, you, you actually plateau at some point, and you, you got to work that much harder to be get the angle or the edge to get that much better. You don't start, you stop seeing big jumps in your game uh, at a certain point. So I love the fact that you got to work that hard just to like stay around in the game. Um, but it teaches you so much, you know what I mean? It teaches you, you know, camaraderie, accountability, uh, sacrifice, you know, teamwork, you know what I mean? Just, you know, being there for your teammates. Uh, but I just, I just love, most importantly, I love the failure though. I yeah. love the failure. Like if you saw me this morning, uh, my workout with the kids, like I just love when they start missing shots because they got to figure it out. Yeah, if they yeah. made all the shots, there'd be no purpose for me. That's right. There'd be no purpose in like, you know, what do you have to overcome? And, and my life has been about overcoming. So how can I not like sports? That's why I love sports. It's the only place in life that you can get an F and still be successful. Wow, wow. And, 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 and with that, man, I, just talk to me a little bit about the, the relationship with, 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 with talent and, and work ethic and, um, and, and how that's important in sports and, and, and in life. I mean, do you see kids come in uh, or have you seen kids with all the talent in the world? And at what point do you think work ethic kind of blows that out of the water if you if you think it does yeah I mean ultimately like like you said you know the answer um you know you certainly have to have talent to like be in certain spaces uh but after that I mean it wasn't it was given out in somewhat not in abundance but enough abundance for you you got to outwork other guys I always say that uh, when I think about the late great you know Kobe Bryant yeah, I just think that he um you know not that I knew this for a fact but I knew how the great play he didn't just outshoot you and outwork you he got more sleep than you did. He got more treatment in the training room. Like, you know what I mean? He ate better than you. You know what I mean? Like whatever it might've been to get to that level, there's a certain sense of like sacrifice and work ethic that goes hand in hand. Like, can you self-deny? Like, can you deny yourself all that comes with like actually being a good player? All the trappings of all the attention and notoriety and, you know, wanting to indulge in the pleasure of like what the game gives you. Right, so the work ethic to me is always going to be the thing that separates you for as longevity. Do, do, do you think work ethic is something that you discover, you, 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 or, or, or it's it, it's innate? No, it can be developed. You know, what I mean, I'm, thank God it's not innate. <laughs> <laughs> thank God it's not innate. Um, it can be developed, and it's developed through consistency, 
time after time. It becomes a moment. It's uh-huh. always it's a moment that you have where you what have do you to think say, that moment is. Usually when you hit a like a watershed moment, so usually through failure. Failure. Yeah, yeah. usually through failure. Like it's how like success really teaches us that. Right? How you deal with the failure. Do I really want this? Right? Do I when I got knocked down, do I really want to come back from an injury? Mm-hmm. Do I really want to come back, you know, I had a bad game? Or you know what I mean? Like I was really good when I was seventh through tenth grade and now guys are catching up to me. Right? Like how do you get through that moment? So we all have that moment. Right. And like I said, that's why late bloomers are the best because they didn't know no better. Yeah. They've been climbing uphill the whole time. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know what I mean? Sometimes like when you have it so young, like there's an emotional death that you go through. Right. There's a sense of like everybody's caught up to me. What do I do with that? They're not Who writing. They're not writing about me no more. Right. right? right. Because that be ultimately that ended up becoming more important to you than actually. That's why I don't like the word defending. Like when you look at these rings. Right. I bought them out for you because you're my boy. But these will go up. Because the only thing you defend is in boxing, right? You're defending your belt. Yeah. Other than that, I want to chase a brand new title. They're that's not They're thing. not coming to take those away. That's right. Those, that's right? done. They're, they're done. That's right. Right. Those are ours. They belong to us, right? But can we go chase the next thing? Because I think when you're defending, there's a sense of being defensive. Like you're holding on, right? No, I want to go chase. I want to be like the hunter. When you won, uh, you, when you won these titles, these, these, these DC titles, uh, I'm right, they're they're both against the same team. Yeah, yeah. Right, uh, a much bigger school, public school, you know, in the city, and both both games were came down to last second yeah. shots. Can can you just uh, can, what what's up? What happened? Oh, I was off the mic. This dude's always be yelling at me, man. Yeah, you know I mean, uh, so so both of them came down to last second shots. Can you just um, can you just uh, uh, walk me walk me through that? And and you. I mean, there must be something about the character of uh, uh, of the young man, you, you know, in this because it's it's different years, it's different teams. Right. I mean, what 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 do you think that is? Is it luck? Is it magic? Like, what 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 was it? It must be something about uh, you, you know, what the character of uh, uh, that, that you're right. building here. Well, magic happens when you're consistent, right? So therefore, like when you don't give up, when you the bracelet I gave you guys, toughness, attitude, intelligence, our core values, just three core values that I think are you know, paramount to your life. And so when we're playing in these games and we're the underdogs and different stuff like that, I just always, you'd be amazed, John, like this last one, uh, we were down 10 uh, with about two minutes to go. Hadn't played well, played well all year. I think we had won 26 games in a row. Um, Beat the team previously early in the year pretty handily here. Um, They were out playing us. I could have yelled out any instruction that I thought, but I remember a word that we use all year. I just yelled out to the guys at you know one of the breaks. I said gratefulness, gratefulness, and it seemed like at that wow. moment that was the turning point that they got back into stop worrying about we weren't playing well, and they became grateful about just being there and being in the moment. And the tide just turned, and we never gave up. Wow, you know we never gave up. And then in the wow. first one, you know that that group was really the underdogs, but they were just super tough all year. There was a belief system they had. You know we talked about like the Navy SEALs has one of my favorite phrases. Uh, Contrary to popular opinion, you never rise to the occasion. You only sink to the level of your training. Mm. And so we always we, we, we believe we outwork everybody. Whether we do or not, we believe it. And so therefore, we, we think we, we deserve to win. The guys that you've coached that have gone on and got Division One scholarships or you, you know had successful college careers and made it into the NBA, has there been any surprises or did you feel like you, yeah, no, no, you, they, you saw they, that potential? No, no, no. The they all were surprises, honestly. I'd be foolish to say – uh, when I say surprises, I knew how hard Josh played, uh, how special he was. I knew Sadiq, speaking of that genetic lottery, he came in here at five foot nine, 
Uh, ended up leaving here, I think about six, seven, but wow. then obviously grew two more inches at Villanova. Wow. So I mean, obviously, but his work ethic was off the chain. Yeah. Um, so, but I can't say that. I mean, I think that's really hard to see at high school. I don't even know if I want us to become a program where I know a kid's gonna be a pro right, right, uh, right. as a high school player. I love the development piece. I love over time where people say, man, I didn't, you know, I knew they were good players, but I didn't see that coming. Like, I actually like that. Yeah, I, like I mean, I, I was just talking to, you know, I guess now people call him Mamadou, Principal <laughs> Mamadou, you know, for me, it was Monsieur Gay, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and he was just saying, I said, you know, he was just so excited that we were sitting down today you know, and he was like, you know, you gotta ask Eric like how he does it because, you you, you know, he they, they keep winning and they they keep beating everybody, but they're not, you know, they're not, you know, they're smaller than people and they're right. not, you, you know, they don't have the players at the other, you know, and um, I mean, I know I know you've kind of already gone there, but do, do do you do you think that description's right? I mean, do you think that description's right? Do you feel do you feel like you guys are? Um, do you guys feel like when you're going in, I mean, obviously mentally and, and, and with the training, you're not at a disadvantage. Right. But in the beginning of the season, if you were to look at, you know, the teams you coach, um, you, you know, compare I mean, look, like I said, it's one of the great basketball cities of the world. Absolutely. Potentially the best. Like, yeah, yeah. Wh 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 how, how, how do you feel like you do it? And do you think that assessment's right? No, I think the assessment's spot on. I think that uh, and like, even if it wasn't, like, I, you know, mentally, I always told the guys the other day, we are a number one company that operates like a number two. And the day we stop operating like a number two, you know, it'll be the ruin of us. So at the end of the day, I think the assessment physically is somewhat right, but at the end of the day, we've gotten to the point now where the synergy between work ethic, the players, and then my coaching, uh, that's where we've been really successful, like, you know, year in and year out, where like, I think even our peers are starting to like, you know, respect us and fear us in a way that maybe has been different than in the past yeah that's i mean it, it's uh it really is crazy to think about <laughs> you, you know it's it's surreal it's it's crazy because you're right i mean i think that that was a real that was a real thing i, I you know losing to, to other teams jerseys yeah you know like I, i'll never forget playing football here and you know having having the team walk in and just like looking at guys on my team yep. i remember you know dougie thornell you know snapping on people because they were like man look how big those guys are and they right. like you can can act like a man you know like what are you yeah. you know like exactly. what are you doing man exactly. you know what I mean and it was such a hard thing to build here because it was it was really I mean it was a culture of losing honestly yeah. you yeah. know what I mean that's really and and so to 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 think about this basketball you know the men and the women's oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, number one in the country in the it's country. uh unbelievable it's like beyond yeah. it's beyond staggering I mean it's it's it's, it's truly it truly is it's, it's incredible it's, it's a credit to obviously Tamika's amazing coach but once again, as a credit to, I just, I gotta give the young people credit. Like it's, I mean, we know we've done it. You know, you, me, Dougie, Gareth, Natalie, like, like that's a hard place up there. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's yeah. a hard place to navigate yeah. and, and do well and yeah. compete with your peers and make it matter to you and, and then still come down here on these fields and these courts and try to be excellent. You know what I mean? So I give the young people a lot of credit. Like you said, boys, girls, you know, soccer, tennis. I mean, we just, we've been, we're really, really good, man. So I'm, I, I couldn't be more proud to be an alum. I always say I get to win twice. Yeah, yeah. You know, I win as a coach, but I also get to brag and this emotional bragging as, a, as an alumni. What do, you, what do you think about kids these days? I mean, what, do, do you feel like um, the friendships are, 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 are as rich? Do you feel like um, their relationships are, are as, as um, kind of complex and deep as they were back in the day? I think they have more mobility now, and so therefore that's twofold. It gives them the opportunity for that to be as rich to your question, but it also gives them the ability 
to be more separate and doing their own thing. And yeah. everybody has a schedule and everybody's doing this. And so, I mean, the thought of like having to do play dates, right? Like that's just foreign to me, right? Crazy, yeah. And, uh, and having it to be, have to be scheduled. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's a sense of like the world moving so fast, even what they get to read. Right, what they get, like, be disengaged. You know, it's one of the things that we do on, you know, game day. You know, no phones. You know, I want the guys talking to each other. You implement it, that rule: yeah. no phones on game day. Yeah, that's great. Because if they don't, if you don't, then they, you know, we're susceptible to it. You know, I'm in sure. my phone a lot. You know, yep. I'm on Twitter, and I'm, you know, yep. I'm no different. You yep. know what I mean? So at the end of the day, we all got to take a step back to reinforce and reengage in those commitments of relationships, and 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 having deep you know, friendships, but I, I do think they're capable, um, but I definitely think the kids are much more, you know, even self-imposed, but they're busier. Uh, they're definitely more self-motivated by things that they may want. And so that's why team sports becomes important because yeah. if they didn't do that, then they, they wouldn't engage at all. Yeah, I, I, I have a, a friend of mine who, who coaches modern day football out in California, okay. you know, you know, another, powerhouse. you know, just, yeah, powerhouse program. And, and, you know, one thing he talked about is his, his sons was on the team, you know, just got a full ride to play at Cal and, you know, beautiful family. But, you know, one thing he talked about is, you know, when he was growing up in Arkansas playing high school football, like they hated the people they played against. You know, you know, I mean, right. I, I to this day, I mean, I'll, I'll be straight up like. I'll I'll sit and take a picture with with anybody. I you know I, until there's nobody left. I, there's no. But if I see somebody wearing a St. Albans jacket, like I'm not right. gonna take a picture with right. you. I'll right. just be honest with you. Like I'm not. It's not yeah. gonna happen. Facts. You know what I mean? Facts. And like I, I might if you take it off, but I honestly might not. Right. You know, and I don't really feel like that way about anybody. Like right. I just can't get yeah. down with you if you're from yeah, that yeah. school. It's still and in you, it's, dude. You know what I'm saying? And and I just remember. I mean, there was real. You know, there was real kind of hatred. You know yeah. what I mean? And but but I also recognize what this coach was telling me that there was something real valuable in that because what he said now he said you know these top athletes you know in 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 the greater Los Angeles area. They've all been at camps with each other. Yep. They all know each other. They're all friends. There's no real rivalry like that. Right. It's everyone's just kind of like they're on this journey of trying to get someplace together. And it's like the high school is just a stop along the way. Yeah. What do you what, what do you think about that? And what have you seen? Yeah, no, I think he's he's spot on. Coach is spot on. And uh, but I also think there's a one of the phrases I always use again is uh, the truth is in the middle. Um, and so there's a sense of like Anwar McQueen, one of yeah. my hated rivals. Yeah. Uh, but I talk to him almost every day now, so we're like frenemies. Yeah. Uh, we're much more, we've always been friends. But um, no, I think there's some value in what you're saying, though. I think that it's important to maintain the sense of tribalism when it comes to like your team and your school. Yeah. So I agree with you. When I see kids around here walking with like another school shirt on, like yeah. I make them take it off. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like I don't play that. You know yeah, what I mean? Like I, that gets under my skin to this yeah. day. And so I still say the school down the street. Like I yeah. don't even call them by their name. Mm. So. Uh, and when I play them, I want to beat them, you know, by 50 if I can. Yeah. And then, you know, shake their hand after the game. But yeah. Yeah. I want to beat them bad. Yeah. You know, I want to yeah. beat Murray bad. Bad. You know what I mean? So, yeah. therefore, I still have that sense. So, I try to give that And you guys do beat them, which is amazing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that was so hard. You right. know what I mean? Because you, you had that feeling and then they come in, you, you know, and just, man. I know, man. Like, that's yeah. what I, I talked to, uh, you know, Mike Wood and I real yeah. super close. And uh, we talked about that. He, he and Dax Ross. Uh, we're just saying, man, we had some athletes back here, and if if I was you, got, if I was the coach of our teams, you know what that would have been like. So that's yeah. that was a big compliment. Yeah. Can you give me an example of just a kid who's been just a great teammate? Something that you've seen somebody do that 
has put the team before them, something that you really celebrate or that touched you? Um, man, I've had a few of those kids. I think, you know, the majority of our kids are that way. I think that's what makes Sidwell unique. Um, but I've had a couple of captains on this team who barely played, uh, but really exhibited like what it meant to be a selfless leader, you know, a selfless teammate who gave up everything he had every day, never cheated me, uh, never gave one ounce of a day off just because he wasn't playing. Um, those are the guys I really value and I celebrate them and I make sure that the team knows how important they are to me because those are the guys that make a team, right? It's not just the guys that are playing. Like, yeah. You know, it's the guys that make the team or the guys who come every day to help everybody get better, but also lift the culture up through the roof. Yeah. You know what I mean? Guys who, who live the culture on and off the court, you have to celebrate those guys. Those, yeah. And those, you want that to be your best player, but certainly it doesn't always happen, all right? And so therefore, when, no matter who it is, we always say you're only as good as the things you emphasize. Mm. And so if these core values are something like, if you ran into any of my players right now, they'd be able to tell you these three things and they'd be able to tell you what they mean. What worries you? What worries you the most about, about kids these days? You know, and, and what, what, what is it that you're seeing that, 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 that you find troubling? I think kids are kids. Um, and so I think you'll always be, have some level of concern about the decisions that they make, uh, the decisions they're faced with, the things that they're aware of and have privy to and, you know, access to, you know, alcohol, drugs, uh, sex, you know what I mean? Just, you know, being out, you know, just making bad decisions. But at the end of the day, John, like the kids are usually like still good kids. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, the thing that always worries me in my space is still gonna always be the adults. It's gonna be the family uh, who doesn't set boundaries for their kids, who makes my job harder to help them parent their kid, because that's what I'm really doing. Yeah. Like I'm actually here to be a conduit to you raising your kid. Right. Um, and so if you make that harder for me based on the boundaries you don't set or based on the vanities and the you know, the things that you have chasing your ego, then it makes my job like even harder. So that's what I worry about when a kid is just kind of given too much access uh, too early uh, to make bad decisions. Uh, and you always worry about it. Like when the guys came in earlier, I was working out a couple of kids. I had my Lynn Bias shirt on. Mm. And uh, just always reminded of like, you know, decision making, you know, that intelligence, mm. the toughness, attitude. Those are also a part of, you know, you gotta have those three things to make really strong decisions and kind of be above the fray of the things that, there's so many pleasures that come with being famous and successful. Yeah, right? straight up. And it's hard to deny them. Yep. Right. It really is. Yep. I'm not saying you should. Right. I'm not saying that, but it depends. It's a time and space and to do the things that's going to be, you know, for your life. You know what I mean? I know that, you know, that was a day I'll never forget. Where were you when you when you got that? Man, I was getting my hair cut. Yeah, I remember exactly where I was. I was too. getting my hair cut and I didn't believe it. Like, I didn't even believe it. I'm like, why, why would somebody make a joke like that? And uh, blew me away. And that's always been a story for me just to remember, like, on the verge of, you know, everything he's ever worked for. Um, and it always kind of kept me on a straight and narrow uh, from that point on. <laughs> and, and, I never wanted to really indulge in anything that was going to defer or get in the way of my dream. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy how big of an effect. I mean, if you grew up, if you grew up in this area, I mean, that was that was monumental. Yeah, absolutely. Monumental. I remember the Sports Illustrated cover. Remember that? Death yeah, of a dream. Death of a dream. Death of a dream. I right. never forget it. That's right. That's right. And especially with everything going on in DC at that time right. and what the city was like. Right. You know, it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I was surrounded by it. You yeah. know what I mean? So um, I'll tell you one more thing that really profoundly, you know, I live my life through a sense of gratefulness. Uh, and I can't tell you how many people, moments that I can 
attribute that word to. But the reason I do, John, is because I remember hanging out with an older cat in my neighborhood in typical New Year's Eve fashion, you know, we're riding around and, you know, clock strikes 12, you know, what do you think he does? Yeah, he's firing that you know, gun. He's yeah. firing that gun, yeah. you know what I mean? And uh, I remember like him putting it, the gun towards my head. And I remember saying, man, stop playing. You know, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, and he did it again and me pushing it away the second time, shot the window out. And from that moment on, like I knew that like I had a purpose, you know what I mean? Like I had a, you know, there was something that I needed to be doing. Uh, I think I was 15 and that, that changed my life. You know what wow. I mean? I just knew that one, I didn't need to be hanging out with cats like that. Yep. Um, but then secondly, um, you know, I was here for, that, that could have turned out completely differently. Yeah. So gratefulness was always gonna be the word that like, you know, I'm, I'm actually, every day I hit the ground, my, my, I'm grateful because I remember that day. Yeah. But can you just um, talk a little bit about like AAU ball and the, the, the kind of like the court, you know, I was in here the other day and the, the, the I guess it might've been AAU tryouts for the women okay. were going on in here. Um, can you just talk about that process and sort of the role that that plays and how much different it is from when we were coming up? I mean, I call it the necessary evil. Uh, well, um, <laughs> Because uh, it's one of those things that still provides a great platform for so many people. Um, it kind of delves into that pay for play. Uh, certainly when you get to a certain level though and the sponsorship takes over, it's good that those kids you know, don't have to pay to travel and uh, their family sometimes. So I know I'm a part of Team Durant uh, at the executive level. Um, and so I just call it the necessary evil because it can work for you, but I've also seen it be a situation that ends up taking too much control over the process, and I think the NCAA has done a pretty good job of trying to give the high schools a certain level of control back, um, which I've appreciated, you know what I mean, given a um, live period for coaches to come out and see kids play for their high schools. Um, but I don't know, I mean, AAU is just a, it's a lot of people. Uh, it's one of them things where you don't have to be certified to be a coach, and you got some people that do it really well, and you got some grifters out here who yeah. are just, you know, doing it for the grift. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and so the kids end up being caught up in the wash. For, for, for the kids specifically, you know, what, what, what's, what's the potential downside? I think the downside is when you overemphasize the importance of it. I think the downside is when you look at that platform as being the only thing that matters. Uh, I think the downside is when you put so much into it that you may sacrifice your own development to be on like this flagship team, mm. but you're not playing that much, mm. right? One of the things I always tell my guys, if you're not playing 15 to 20 minutes a game in the summer, you then you're wasting your time. You need to go find a place that you, that, yeah. that you are, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you're wasting your time. So I think the allure of it sometimes is so intoxicating um, and the kids love traveling around the country and being in these big venues and yeah. having their bags and like, it's awesome, you know what yeah. I mean? But at the end of the day, it can also, once again, I use the word intoxicating you know, those things can also be detrimental. Do you feel like that's the, that, that's the case in all youth sports? I mean, if you're if you're a young kid coming up, you know, do you think it's good to try to get your kid with with the absolute, or to put your kid on the absolute best team they could possibly be on so they're getting the best coaching and they're getting, being around the best players? Or do you think putting them in a situation where they're getting to play? If those things are synonymous, I'm not saying they, they don't have to be, you know, non-synonymous, but, you know, just because it's the best team doesn't mean it's the best coach. Uh, I think you'd have to value what coaching means to you. Uh, I certainly believe that sports is always going, like I said, humble you and you got the rest of your life to sit on somebody's bench. Uh, I'm not sure if I want to do that at 10. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And so at the end of the day, I just believe in development. And so if this, now I'm not saying you can't play on this great team, 
And if you think this coach is awesome and your kid is getting developed, but he's not playing that much, yeah. that's a choice that you can make. But I, ultimately, I still think kids learn the most through making mistakes. Yep, yep, yep. And so I think it's important that at a young age to actually be somewhere where you can play. And then if you develop, then it's okay to be on those flagship teams as you get older. Right, 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 right. When it really counts. Right, right. right. Like it just doesn't count at 8U. Yeah. Right? Or U8. It doesn't yeah. count. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it just doesn't count enough for you not to be playing. Doesn't count enough for you. Let's say if your kid was really good, John, um, but let's say he was like the ninth best player. Like why not go somewhere else and learn how to win right. and play against the best team and, and even feel the hurt and disappointment of not being able to win. Yeah. Like how can you make your team better? I think there's some value in leadership positions at a young age. So I think I find value in that more, though, more so than the scoreboard. Right. And I think too many parents play the scoreboard yeah. as being important. Yeah. Whereas I think the value is in like losing the value is in being like the best player on a team. Like I think you need to understand what that feels like. Yep. Not just because it feels good. I right. think you need to learn the responsibility. That responsibility, sure. You know what I mean? Like you know, that's that's a lot of responsibility to be the best player. Sure. You know, to be at the top of the scouting report. Sure. You know, to be double teamed. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's important to feel. For sure. For sure. Is there an example of a player you've coached or or, or, or you've come up with that um, you know really never got it in basketball or in any of these sports or uh, you, you know m maybe never re like realized their potential, but uh, you've seen them then take the sort of things that you've taught them or the things the work ethic that you've kind of preached and, and the culture that you've created and use that for other things? Yeah, I think the majority of them. I think the beauty of our program once again is that the majority of our kids. I think we've sent. 20 kids now on to play in college, uh, but the majority of them are playing Division Three. Yeah. Uh, playing well. Yeah. Uh, my biggest achievement last year, John, I had five captains. That's what's uh, up. And that was awesome. But yeah, I think the majority of them are going, you know, to, to use the Sitwell uh, quote, they're going to let their lives speak, and they've done that. Yeah. I mean, our, our guys are doing really well really for well. themselves. Uh, and, I, and I think they're carrying on the values of what they learned here from me, uh, all the hard work. I mean, they all come back. I mean, I think that's one of the greatest achievements a coach can never have is like when those guys come back and pour into the program. Like yeah. if you come back and watch a game, um, you'll see, I mean, especially if it's a time of year where those guys can be here, if it's a big game, you'll have 10 alumni sitting on the bench. And uh, I think that's a crowning achievement. Yeah, it says a lot, it yeah. says a lot. And uh, are, you, are, you, are, you gonna, are you gonna stay, Eric? Oh man. I mean, I, I know that uh, I'm sure everyone, <laughs> yeah, you, that's you know, it comes at you, man. But I mean, yeah. where, 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 where are you at with that? I'm on a crossroads, uh -huh. you know what I mean? I would say I'm in purgatory consistently, but it's been that way for a while. Mm -hmm. Like I think if I wanted to coach in college, I could. Mm -hmm. um, I think being coaching at my alma mater uh, feels amazing. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the reasons that I stay. I'm just at a crossroads because I don't want to stay because I'm scared to leave, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I want to stay because it's the greatest thing that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm very fulfilled. Mm -hmm. I want to stay because we can keep it going. Mm -hmm. and I keep impacting young people. Mm -hmm. Maybe my impact is the greatest at this level. Mm -hmm. um, I'd be lying if I didn't say that, you know, sometimes you do think about professional challenge uh, at the next level or, you know, some windfall uh, salary. Uh, but ultimately, I'm really happy here right now. Um, but I, but I'm, al I'm always checking myself to make sure I'm not staying because I'm scared to leave. You, you have anything that you want to ask me, man? You got anything that, uh, that, 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 that you got? <laughs> man, I want to ask you, like, you know, what did it feel like? I mean, you already expressed it a little bit, but mm -hmm. when you were – Young Buck on my baseball team, and we <laughs> took that trip to North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just remember you, man, just seriously, like you always made an impact on me because like you were just uh, your freedom. Like, uh -huh. You had a sense of freedom. And maybe that was you 
hiding some level of insecurity. Maybe you had your mask on, right, a little bit, but like I just noticed, I always noticed that you had a, a real sense of freedom and, uh, you know, looseness, confidence. I mean, even as a young guy, Man, you know what you, I mean? Like you showed deference to, you know, us in the right way, but yeah. always super confident about who you were. So I could, I could appreciate that. Yeah, I don't know, man. You know, you, you know, for me, you know, that, that trip, <clears throat> you know, I, I just remember, uh, it's funny, cause I, I think about that trip a lot, you know, and, 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 you know, I was, you know, playing up, you know, on the varsity team with you guys. And, and uh, I, I just looked up to you guys so much, but you, you really did, um, you know, I, I, I remember, I mean, it's a crazy fucking memory, but I remember like going to sleep in, in North Carolina <laughs> and like having like your guys, vo you know, like I remember like you'd be like, Bernie, like, 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 you, you know, like, and like having your voice, like, man, Eric Singletary is like, knows, you know, yeah, is you, talking to me yeah, and you're shit. You're my guy. You're and, my and, guy. and how that, that felt for me, man. And, and um, it's amazing because I think that's right. I, I, you know, being a dad now too. You know, when we think about high school kids, it's like these look like you looking at say, man, you had this confidence. Like I was I was I was wild, but um, I was deeply, you know, like all of us insecure. Right. And, and, and like, you know, it just meant so much, you know, that you and Ian and, and, and you know, Trevor, you know, that yeah. you guys were like, you know, I had these like like, you know, these 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 Titans were, were being cool to me. And I also remember uh, I also remember a play at the plate. Uh, at Sidwell, I don't know if you remember this, but you were pitching and I was catching. Okay. And uh, there was a, a a dude tried to um, I think tag and and and, and get home from third. Uh -huh. And um, I don't know who threw, but somebody made it like an amazing throw and it hit a hop. And uh, you know I tagged this dude out and got him at the plate, but he dropped his uh, shoulder and busted my nose. You know, yeah. I, I was always breaking my yep. nose. You yep. know what I mean? And like I came up and I was like, got him, and I held my thing up like that. And I remember you like jumping up and down being like Bernie 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 like that like you were like 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 really freaking out because right. I guess there was blood all over yeah. my face and I didn't even know it yeah. and I remember thinking like damn dude what like what yeah, happened like why I are you jumping that. up and down like that man <laughs> and then uh and I couldn't believe it because I was like I can't believe Eric jumped like that you yeah. know what I mean no no seriously man like you you would definitely you made an impression on me back then so it's just amazing that after all these years uh, friendship is, you know, just as strong, yeah. you know, if not stronger, yeah, you know, man. as we're adults, man. I'm, like I said, incredibly proud of not just the work you've done, but like what you, kind of how you've lived your life, man, and truth, Thanks, and you man. speaking and sitting in your truth. And uh, I've watched you. I'm always paying attention you, and man. watching you. So, like, that, that's what I'm most proud of, man, that I get to kind of share in that to say that, man, I was a part of that, you know, yeah, you, kinda, you, you know, with, your evolution with, as a person. I appreciate you saying that. And, and, and likewise, it's, 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 it's been, a, uh, it's been a beautiful thing. And, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really grateful and proud to be your friend, man. And, yeah. and, uh, Nick, Nick Bernthal, the most overrated athlete to ever play at this school. Would you agree or disagree? You know what, you know what, you know what your dad did for you guys? What's that? Honestly, huh? Like you guys were like just, I, I want to know where you got this wild, like cause Tom wasn't like that. No, no. So I don't know what happened with the last two, like cause Tom yeah. was not like that, but yeah. you two were just wild dudes who just believe you can beat any fucking body. But you know but, what I mean? So like I can't say Nick was overrated. Like I, one, one I didn't get to see him a whole lot. Yeah. And then no, I, the timing didn't mention. Right. But but like motherfuckers were like like all like he was like a USA Today All American and he was not that good, dude. Yeah, he was but, not that good. I mean, but at the end of the day, like. You're not always what they say, but like, yeah. it, it didn't have He's to be. He's in the conversation. Yeah, wasn't he in the conversation? I mean, he was in the conversation, but like I your, genuinely your dad, like. Your dad didn't pay them to print it, did he? No, <laughs> I, no, I think that's right. I think that's right. But what I will say is like, 
okay, so if you went and played Division One basketball, I did not play a day of high school basketball. Not Coach Leftwich asked me to play because right. he said he wanted one dude on his team that could fight good. That's what Coach, and that's right. what I loved about Coach. <laughs> right. He was like, we need one dude yeah, out there to do. be with Nick that that just a dude that yeah, can fight good, which is amazing yeah. at a Quaker school. It's like, I was it's like, like an enforcer in hockey. You that's need right. That. He's Absolutely. like, we need one dude. So he asked me to play. But I didn't play right because I wanted to lift weights and you know practice baseball, but like. I can sometimes check Nick, and I think that if you played, I, I don't. I think if you're a legitimate great basketball player, a dude that didn't play should not be able to check you ever. I disagree. You really? Yeah, I think the margin is super thin. Yeah. I think the margin between a D1 and a D3 player is like razor thin. Yeah. And what I, what what is it? It's usually speed, speed uh -huh. one step, size, uh -huh. like just just anything. Like that's why a bunch of D three guys are making money. Yeah, you know, yeah. playing for money. So yeah. uh, I think the ra I think it's razor thin. Yeah, I think uh, if you're if you're an athlete, I think defense is that's to your point. Yeah. If you can't defend, that means that's a choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right? yeah, yeah. I can teach you the technique of defense, but if you're an athlete and the way and like you probably fouled Nick. Foul the you know? fuck out of him. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So if you yeah. so if you foul him enough, yeah. like you know what I'm saying, but like at the end of the day, if you were playing under whistle, the margin may be that he was crafty enough to like have you foul him and get away. So it doesn't mean that like I've seen that margin be thin. Doesn't mean he couldn't be successful. Do the guys? Uh, you remember how back in the day there was pickup games all the time? Yeah, after, like doing lunchtime and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, does that happen anymore? Not really. These Never. kids are much more into like you see the different shooting guns we have around like. They'll come down and get on the gun and shoot, wow. and like everything is a little more detailed. I mean, yeah. a couple of kids that don't play will still come down and have fun with basketball, right. but like for the most part, the guys on the team, you know, they're coming down, they're getting on the gun. That gym was like wild back in yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing in jeans. Down. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> yeah, you know boots. what I mean? So, yeah, 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 boots, jeans, yeah. whatever you have. But like, yeah. no, these guys will come down during free periods now, they actually get dressed. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like, and shoot on the gun. It's a whole different time, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whole yeah. different time. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. no, I can't. I didn't, I didn't catch Nick a lot. I mean, I yeah. caught him in some alumni but games. Fuck Nick, man. But he had swag, though. Yeah, he had swag. He, he, he has swag, and he, and he thought he could beat me. Yeah, so he always talked yeah. about that. I was like, you can't beat him. You know what I mean? You can't beat him. Yeah, man. <laughs> Fucking Nick's little bitch yeah. ass. Yeah. Because that was the thing. I also remember, like, after the games, you know, like, you know, there would be, like, all our side, and everybody would go, they'd be trying to fight out in the parking lot. I mean, it was, yeah. you know, it was, it's just so amazing yeah. that that, that, that y'all are winning it. And I, I wish it, you know. I wish I went to school now. No, you know, man, it's, it's, it's crazy. An incredible atmosphere. It must uh, feel beautiful. It's a great man. place to play. Yeah. Um, you know, just like you said, still a little Quaker school on Wisconsin right. Avenue, but we're getting it done. Yeah. 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 Hey, man, I appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. I love you. Man. Yeah.